Hey, it's Diana and Susanna, your favorite global health scientists, back with season two of Global Caveat. Woohoo! Yeah! We're so excited to be back, and we both took time off, and honestly, we kind of just ended up both being stressed out. Not surprising, oops. Um, but yeah, somehow both of our summer breaks turned into a lot of work, uh, physically and mentally emotionally. stressful, emotionally. Um, so we're just going to do some talking about that kind of thing, sort of. Yeah, on today's episode, we're going to talk about positive developmental psychology and the power and impact of nature. But before we get started, we want to thank all our supporters who make Global Caveat possible. We appreciate shares, money, subscriptions, and reviews. You can become a contagion. We got a cool name for y'all. You can become a contagion by signing up as a patron for as little as $1 a month. Yes, and thank you so much to our patrons, Cersei, Eva, Gabby, Jason, Lena, Justine, Ruth, and Larissa. You're all super amazing humans, and you are helping us do the work that we do, and we appreciate you so much. And we're working on some additional bonus content for all of our patrons. Yeah, and if you're not sure about committing some of your dollars towards us, we get it, we're... We're struggling too, um, so please leave us a review and just help spread the word, and we'd really appreciate that. Yes, please leave the reviews, but you know, only five-star reviews. Um, but <laughs> seriously, uh, reading your review warms our heart. We talk about it a lot, and we just gush about it to each other and how it makes us feel so great. And I mean, like that, you should also just leave them because I think our show is amazing, and I hope that you do too. Um, but Santa, do you want to read one? Yeah, we got this really awesome, heartwarming, tear-wrenching review from, from Larissa. Um, she goes by J 14 and this is what she said. She said, just binge listen to Global Caveat Podcast three, uh, these past few days, and I'm on the last episode right now of season one. Um, I'm guessing. I am so excited for them to start back up again in September. I've learned so much from listening and it's introduced me to concepts and ideas I have never considered. I love how they emphasize how interdisciplinary public health is by bringing on people from different backgrounds and relating it back to public health. I highly recommend everyone to listen. Whether you're in public health or not, trust me, you'll learn something new. I'm just gonna go cry now. So nice. I'm it's done. So That's nice. it. That was all I needed. <laughs> if you haven't subscribed, please do so on whatever platform you use and leave us a review to share on each episode. Yes. Now let's take an adventure. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Cordell Glass, a positive psychology coach, outdoor adventure guide, and fun fact, the producer of the show's music. All right, let's get started. Hi, Cordell. Hi. <laughs> Again, thanks so much for being here. Um, I'm excited to talk to you because you are the man behind our music. Yes. <laughs> You've technically yeah. been part of every single episode. I've been here from the start, right at the heart of it all. And people didn't even know. Yeah, it was really interesting like hearing my own song come on. I like forgot, I don't know, like forgot that that happened. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it's really interesting. I mean, your music, honestly, Diana, we're saying it's you, like your music helps a lot. Um, it makes us look like we're put together. <laughs> like we know what we're doing. Uh-huh. You gotta fake till you make it, right? How you do the same thing. <laughs> 
So today we're here to get to know more about you, just what you do. Um, before we start diving in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, short intro, and then if people want to reach you, where they can go to do that? Absolutely. My name is Cordell Glass. Um, I have a kind of, uh, it doesn't feel eclectic to me, a variety of interests, but sometimes when I'm explaining what I do to people, it does sound kind of all over the place. <laughs> so I imagine today we'll have enough time to chat where I can kind of lay out how I got to where I'm at right now, and it'll make a lot more sense than when I just say it blankly. But basically, I do a lot of team building facilitation. I do a lot of positive psychology coaching, which is, um, and I'm also a music producer. And I'm also an outdoor adventure guide. So I've spent time as a whitewater raft guide and leading a lot of hikes and rock climbing and kind of just taking people outside to experience what that's like. Um, and that's led to me doing a lot of writing um, for this website called uh, PositivePsychologyNews.com. I've been writing about positive psychology and eco-psychology, as well as transpersonal psychology. So I've just been writing about these like connections amongst different fields that I find really interesting. Yeah, so kind of a quick overview of some of the work that I'm into right now. And where can people reach you if they want to talk to you? Yeah, I do have a website. My company is called Upward Act, and you can go to upwardacts.com. I'm also on Instagram. It's just uh, my name with a couple extra E's, so C-O-R-D-E-L-E-E-E. -E -E. Yeah, those are probably two great ways to reach out to me. You've laid out a ton of things that you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it sounds, it sounds like a hodgepodge, but I swear to me, it's like one just uh like a, like a casserole it's like one meal but it's got a whole bunch of different ingredients maybe like nachos i don't know it's uh, some complex meal <laughs> okay, that is also delicious yeah as long so as they're, they're, they all play a part in what you do yeah. as a whole yeah at least to um, me <laughs> i've been working on telling my story a lot just because that's okay. a big part of what i do in my work in a lot of ways is help others tell their story mm -hmm. So sometimes me telling my story helps to just give an example. And then also people want to know who is helping them tell their story. <laughs> so I got to tell my story in the first place. Um, and I always begin with music. I definitely identify as like an artist and a musician and I and a percussionist specifically. That's how I started. And so I've been drumming since I was about 10 years old is when I started formally taking classes. And that's what's been kind of like driving a lot of the work that I've done so far is just getting really involved with making and performing and like existing around music. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot, a lot of different ways you can go with that. But basically, I, I was drumming in like elementary school, and middle school. And then in high school, I started to do competitive drumline. Y'all familiar with like drumlines or like marching <laughs> bands, yeah. trying to drum, yeah. drum core. Like I was in battery and I played quads which has like six different drums and um when I first started in high school I was trash I was just so bad but I was very very ambitious um and the people on uh, my drum line as well we were all just like um even during the time we knew we were very unskilled but we were all just so interested and like enjoyed it so much that we just like we would just drum all day every day like I'm clocking in like eight nine ten hours every single day for like years wow. straight yeah like i remember one summer in, in high school we specifically just like practiced all day every day our instructors or our coaches or whatever would didn't force us i don't even know if they wanted to do it in the first place we were like we're gonna be practicing all day every day so you can come if you want to and we just did that for years and uh by the time i finished high school i was like competing at international competitions and i had a couple gold medals under my belt and i was just like there's always room to get better in music but i was just very skilled 
just at hitting things with sticks at that point. Um, and I became really interested, not even just in music or not even like how to become really good at drumming. Like I loved those things, but I just became really fascinated in that process of like how we went from being like objectively poor <laughs> at this skill by anyone's mm-hmm. standards to like literally competing at like some of the highest calibers um, in the country. And so that kind of like sprang this entire interest in mastery and development and specifically kind of on the positive side of things. So that's kind of where the impetus for all of that comes from. It's just like, how do you get really, really good at at first it was music and then it was just like it kind of developed in a bunch of ways we can chat about but now i'm just really interested in like how do you get really good at life like just being a human whether that means like how are you really good at enjoying your life or how are you really good at doing the things that you want to do in your life or how are you really good at creating connections or having a meaningful life or any type of creative endeavor like i as I've been studying, I've just found like there's specific processes and mechanisms, whether they're physiological or psychological or social, that kind of underpin mastery, um, irrespective of the domain. And so that's why it seems kind of like I do a lot of different things. All of them are really tied together in that, like whether I'm helping people go on an adventure in the outdoors or I'm working on a high ropes course or I'm like making music, it's all kind of focused on like how to develop. Okay, real quick before we get more into psychology, I have a question about drumming. Have you seen the movie Whiplash? Yes. Okay, cool. I figured. Um, I just watched it on the plane and it is such an intense movie and that dude drums so much and his hands get so bloody. So I was really just thinking this whole time that you're talking about how much drumming you did was like, were your hands okay? Um, there are ways to make sure that doesn't happen. Literally, it's, it's almost funny because the only way to get as bloody as he was is to use terrible technique. If you're using really bad technique, you will bleed. There's like techniques. So specifically, you could drum all day every day and have that not happen. But I will say that one year I was competing and I was like in Minnesota or somewhere like that during the winter. And it was very cold. And my hands are so dry that like the areas where the sticks touched are like chapped. And so like Mm -hmm. my skin was cracking, but it was like literally like a championship competition. Mm. So we're just like going at it hard. And I've got like skin cracking and like I'm just ripping open. the cracks with my drumsticks so i've definitely been in whiplash territory we're just like we gotta win this championship i got blood on my sticks i'm like going for it okay okay uh good to know so let's get on to the other stuff that you do and talk about developmental psychology um well positive developmental psychology and all that good stuff uh so where is a good place to start or uh where do you start it seems like there's a lot going on with the field. So yeah, because yeah. positive psychology is so broad. And it's an issue that I'm like currently dealing with, because my interests are very broad, and the application of my favorite Ooh. field is very broad. And so when we're talking about well being and like a life well lived, the necessary considerations are just so vast that it's really hard for me to just pick one yeah. specific thing but to give you an idea of like the topics that i focus on kind of like in my own research and kind of like literature reviews and also the work i do with clients i do break everything that i do into topics so i do have like specific topics that i'm versed in both in like the literature and in my personal life that i feel comfortable like coaching people through um mm-hmm. so some of uh-huh. those i always begin with mindfulness which is kind of like a step zero for tons of different skills and breakthroughs and aspects of development. So just kind of placing your attention on the present moment and doing exercises with awareness. So that can include just 
mindfulness as a bare practice, but also like meditation and yoga and contemplation and really kind of like self-reflecting in a lot of different ways. Um, that has endless steps that we could talk about <laughs> forever. Um, but in addition to that, I'll go into character strengths, which is kind of like the positive psychology analog to the DSM in mm -hmm, like, business mm -hmm. as usual psychology. Yeah, there's like characterizations of kind of how things go wrong and how to know when things are going wrong. In positive psychology, we use character strengths. And those are just kind of things that are going right, that you're really good at and that energize you and that you think are worth it for its own sake, how to identify those and like use those in everyday life. In addition to that, I love talking about creativity and the creative process. That's kind of one of my main like interests and things that I really, really like working on. I'm actually leading a workshop next month on the creative process and kind of how to engage oh. in it in a way that um, you can do with confidence without worrying like, well, I'm not like a famous painter or a musician, so I can't be creative. Kind of building people's creative oh. confidence in a way. Um, positive yeah. emotions is also a huge thing for me. Um, emotions in general are just mind boggling <laughs> for like a thousand reasons. But there's a lot of specific positive emotions that people don't know about and a lot of ways to just increase the amount of positive emotions you have and the duration and intensity of them. And there's tons of research like literally all over the world right now on how positive emotions themselves can really impact your body and your relationships and your worldviews and just your mind <laughs> like in general. And a, a big one as well that I'm doing a lot of work on right now, it's actually the topic of my current article, um, is meaning and purpose. Kind of like how to, like, where does meaning come from? What even is meaning? How does it develop? And how do we get more of it in our lives? And like, what is the benefit of having a meaningful life? Sounds like a weird question. Like, it seems kind of obvious on the yeah. surface. But once yeah. you start to dive into it, it's actually just, it's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole thing. And uh, I love diving into the whole thing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so those are some of my favorite topics. And I know for sure those some of those have overlapped with some of the things that y'all talked about on the show before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I personally didn't know or I hadn't heard of positive psychology until we started talking about music. Because when I remember like the first email, I saw your website in your like sign off. And I was like, what's this? And I just like started like looking around. I was like, this is really awesome. I don't know anything about this. I've never heard about this. Yeah, it's really interesting. So the field of positive psychology is pretty new as far as like fields of science go. Um, it's only been around formally for about 20 or 30 years. Um, and two kind of really important psychologists came together to start the field. Um, one was Martin Seligman, who's like the APA president for a long time and was very, very famous for tons of research on depression. Um, and another is uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who was kind of the, the leader in psychological research on creativity for a long time. And that um. research on creativity led to kind of insights and investigations into psychological flow. Um, mm -hmm. which is also now just like a, a booming kind of field and something I would love to chat about because <laughs> I think that's really important for like y'all yeah. and a lot of your listeners. Uh, but yeah, those two came together, um, kind of fostered a climate, an academic climate that would allow people to kind of rally together under this umbrella of positive psychology. And they set some goals and they kind of created like a new wave or movement. Like in any field of science, there's like movements and progressions and paradigms and things like that. So positive psychology yeah. has just been blowing up for like the last couple decades and more and more people as soon as you kind of hear about it and understand the underlying tenets and it's like research topics it's it's hard not to get excited at, by something related in the field because literally it's like the science of happiness and and joy and like quality of life <laughs> and it's like mm -hmm. almost by definition what people like <laughs> so the more you like talk yeah, about it yeah. and find your niche it's like 
you just get energized and intrigued by the things that make your life better. So it's been really compelling for a lot of people. And it's been like cool to see from my perspective, because it shows me I'm not just like, it's not like a very weird niche. Like I love collecting tomato stamps or something like that. It's like, I tell people what I'm jazzed about. And then all of a sudden they're also jazzed, which is really cool. It's rare that I explain positive psychology and people are like, yeah, okay. They're just like, what? That's a thing? Like, yes, do more of that. Let's get more people to do that. And it's just like really encouraging. I think we both have uh, a lot of questions, but before we get into that, can you give us a brief, quick explanation and a definition of what exactly positive psychology is and what that means? Um, So there's kind of like a few ways that are like the classic ways to describe it. Essentially, it's kind of the, the scientific study of human excellence and flourishing. Right. So like I said, quality of life and what makes life worth living. And a lot of people compare it directly to just the field of psychology as a whole, which has been around for like, you know, over 100 years now. So it's gotten a lot of traction and kind of like lay ideas and like what it means, kind of like the therapist where you lay on a couch and tell them about your feelings kind of thing. Uh, So a good way to like kind of conceptualize the work that comes out of positive psychology is you can think of your mental health on a scale from negative 10, zero, positive 10. Right. And so a lot of people, when they have issues, whether it's, you know, emotional or developmental or kind of in whatever domain you can think of in a mental health kind of sense, you might see a therapist or a counselor or a psychiatrist. And they're usually helping people who've gone down from zero into like a problem space, whether it's depression or anxiety or, you know, dealing with specific kinds of trauma. And so they work on taking people from a space of like negative seven, negative eight, move them up the scale to like negative two, negative three. That's what progress looks like. And as soon as they get to zero, they're kind of done, right? It's very much a medical model. It's like, well, you don't have any anxiety. You don't have any depression. You're not suicidal. Like you're good. You can go now. Um, And that was kind of a model for a very, very long time. But positive psychology operates under the idea that there's more to a life well-lived than having zero problem. And so we look at what takes people from zero to positive 10, right? So instead of studying people who have severe anxiety or schizophrenia or depression and seeing like, well, what's wrong and how do we make it go away? We'll study like creative geniuses or people that have like intense life purposes or people that have really, really in-depth, long-lasting relationships, right? And we'll look at like, what are they doing? How are they doing it? And how do we help other people do those kinds of things? Um, So really, it's just like advanced mental health, like mental strength, resilience, and just kind of like deep engagement and joy and those kind of topics. Um, And I'm personally mainly focused on like ego development and just like development of worldview and how you understand what your existence is. Like that develops throughout your whole life. And so Mm -hmm. kind of like the higher levels of human nature is the domain of positive psychology. That was not as brief as I thought it would be. Cut off there. I heard you have questions. Let's do it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that um, that short like description of what positive psych is because I think, so Diana, your exposure to positive psych was through um, Cordell's email signature. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, mine was not through any means like that it was just more of i saw it pop pop up in pop culture a lot yeah like i said it's Um, been getting tons of traction lately i think it's going to be like a household name very soon so yeah in pop culture i see it a lot i think it excites a lot of people a lot of people get really interested in it but i think so here's my thing like i 
I'm not a psych major or never, I, I didn't go into psych or anything like that. So when it comes to positive psych, I know very little. And the exposure that I had with positive psych being that it was through pop culture, I feel like I was getting a lot of information from people that didn't have substantial training or knowledge about it. Yeah. But they're doing a lot of communicating and work around it and spreading this idea of positive psych. But do you think that's okay or do you think that can be helpful? or even hurtful in the long run. Yeah, um, positive psychology is definitely being hit by what almost every kind of field of science has to go through at some point when it starts to get big or has any findings that are of like importance is it has to be filtered through like whether it's it's media or kind of like psych- people who like uh, will translate research into like more popular books or even magazines and things like that, right? And what's really important to remember is positive psychology is first and foremost like an academic field, right? For example, there's like journals and um, articles and these are like researchers who've been in academia for like 20, 30 years that are making a lot of the biggest strides. And so everything is in academies, right? Like if you don't understand anything about statistics at all, it's going to be really hard to articulate the nuances of a study, right? And so like anything that you read about a field of science that's not coming from like the scientists themselves is going to be filtered in a different way. And positive psychology is really like extra susceptible to pop psychology, like even more than your typical psychological research, because like I said, it's very, it'll it'll grab your attention. She's like, this is 10 ways to be happy. Right. And like, it's super easy (laughs) uh, to just screenshot of that moment. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like really easy to make clickbait out of stuff like that. And then, you know, you're going to have to have like a superficial reading because like a journal article is like 20 pages of like dense method sections and like statistical analyses. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to like take all of that and kind of like turn it into a 12 paragraph blurb in a magazine, you're going to have to leave out a ton of information. Positive psychology is kind of at least in a lot of bookstores. The books that researchers will make for lay audiences that are based on their research will be placed amongst a lot of other self-help books, right? So like 20 Mm. years of in-depth, academic, rigorous, empirical investigation into like a very specific psychological aspect of the human mind can be on a bookshelf right next to like an anecdote from like a guy who went on a bunch of dates and was like, this is how you get babes. And they're both self-help books, right? So they're like right next to the shelf. And so you're like, which one will help me learn my relationships more? Like this, this old person who like uses, I don't even, people don't even know what psychologists use to do research. They're like, I don't know. We like send surveys to people like, or this guy who gets all the babes. And so you have to like kind of compare. And it's been really interesting. Like the further I've gotten into the fields, the more you can just kind of see like, which books are written with real rigor and which books are kind of like very um, Mm -hmm. anecdotal and kind of superficial when compared to a lot of these investigations. So yeah, it's pretty tough to find the difference. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, that's not, (laughs) that's not really, um, I mean, it's, those things are definitely helpful for a lot of people in a lot of ways. They're just like different. Uh You know what I mean? (laughs) It's definitely just like different, but I definitely understand what you mean. A lot of people are kind of railing against the popular psychology of positive psychology because a lot of people get this kind of Mm -hmm. sour taste in their mouth where they're like positive psychology is just like happyology where you just like make people happy and Mm -hmm. whatever. And so a lot of positive psychologists actually focus on like when things go wrong or like kind of what might be called like the dark side of positive psychology. 
for example like one of my colleagues is just like super interested in death and like how people think about death and like how our ideas about death impact our well-being negative emotions are also still really important like in the context of positive psychology no serious positive psychologist would ever advocate for all positive emotions right like negative emotions mm -hmm. can be very adaptive in a lot of different situations so it's really easy to like throw away a lot of nuance but just like with any other field it's like as soon as you get rid of all the nuance and you don't really speak the language of a scientific field and it's hard to understand like the insights but that's another reason I'm excited to talk to you two is for that very reason is like okay. I I fancy myself a practitioner, like a, a scientist uh -huh. practitioner. Uh -huh. I've like uh -huh. made a very specific intentional decision not to go for a PhD, at least not at this point in my life, uh, because I'm really interested in the application. So like my... Uh -huh bachelor's degree is in applied developmental psychology and in my graduate work I really focused on interventions and like how do you use these theories how do you actually make measurable impacts in people's lives using mm -hmm. all of this science and so I kind of that's why I've been writing for a positive psychology news.com is like to continue to flex that translational piece where it's like you don't need to take two years of graduate courses to understand what I'm saying but I'm also yeah. doing uh -huh. my best not to sacrifice what's really important to get across. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And I, I appreciate that um, you're here to help dispel some of these myths that people may have about positive psych. Um, even for myself, because again, I mean, a lot of my exposure to it is via pop culture. Um, yeah. And I know one of the criticisms that now what I'm hearing criticisms about positive psych, which may actually be a criticism of pop culture positive psych. They're, they're, they seem to be yeah. very separate. Is that there's this major stress on happiness. So then people ask like, well, does that mean that I can't be sad? That I'm not having a fulfilled life because I'm sad most of the time? Uh, or, you know, if someone with depression were to approach you and say like, this is this is what I have. It's just, it's part of me. Um, it's something I struggle with. Um, but positive psychologists are telling me that I should be happy and that I should achieve happiness, but none of this is working for me. Yeah. So that particular case is actually one of the reasons why right now, at least it's hard to say what you know, fields of science or science itself is going to be like way into the future. But right now, at least positive psychology mm -hmm. is really differentiating itself from business as usual psychology, air quotes, mm -hmm. um, because it turns out like a lot of things that are researched in positive psychology that are related to happiness, that are related to meaning, that are related to kind of developing in these further realms don't work if you have pathology. Like a lot of uh, mm -hmm. interventions mm -hmm. that have been proven with randomized control trials and data to boost happiness or to boost mood um, or to boost feelings of gratitude they don't work if you're depressed they like literally don't do anything but a lot of techniques that like a therapist might use to help with depression right um, are very very effective and so that's kind of why there are two different specialties right now. It's like if one were really depressed, right? Like I'm not necessarily saying you should have positive emotions, but there's a lot of evidence that shows when you do have lots of positive emotions, you get all these other benefits. So we're just saying like it's good for you mental health wise, but I wouldn't necessarily say do these things because like you're depressed, right? So if you are depressed, a lot of people will go to positive psychology coaches or work on positive psychology after spending time in therapy and sometimes they're done um concurrently at the same time well people will see a therapist and people will um see a positive psychology coach in fact um i've found the same thing so some of my clients have been seeing me at the same time as a therapist and some of my clients have shared with me that they went through therapy for a while and got to a point where 
they wanted to continue to develop and they liked the mm-hmm, process mm-hmm. of like finding skills, building skills, changing the way they interact with the world. But the therapist is like, you don't have depression anymore. Why are you still talking to me? And it's like, well, I want to continue mm. to develop. And they're like, well, you're not depressed. And they're like, well, I want to, what, what do I do then? And the therapist isn't really equipped in a lot of trainings and programs right now. Like I said, since positive psychology is expanding, there are kind of like positive psychotherapists and there's a lot of ways that you can integrate positive psychology into different therapies. Um, And there's been a lot of advances in that. But for the most part, in general, once your anxiety is gone or once you've been able to manage some of those intense insecurities or as soon as you're not depressed to a point where it's influencing how well you can go to work and have relationships and stuff like that, the therapist is like, okay, you're good. Go be a person now. Right. And they're kind of like at that zero on the scale we were talking about. So positive psychology is just like advancing that to the positive 10. But also, like I said, negative emotions are just important (laughs) for being a person. They're not going to go away anytime soon either. Um, So it's definitely kind of an oversimplification to say like, well, science says be happy all the time. Yeah. A good way to think of it is there's a bunch of different models for like what a good life is. And one I enjoy is um, kind of like this three pronged approach to a good life. This is kind of from some of the work of Martin Seligman as well, where one is the pleasurable life, um, which everyone agrees is like pretty awesome. And what at least a lot of Western culture is like aiming for, which is basically mm-hmm. like... <laughs> You know, the kind of hedonistic lifestyle of like lots of money, lots of comfort, lots of pleasure, right? Like your food tastes good, mm-hmm. your bed is mm-hmm. comfortable, going on lavish vacations, like pretty evident that that will bring you some sense of joy. But if you ever watch any kind of like feel good movie <laughs> or anything like that, it turns out like money doesn't buy happiness, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. kind of like a superficial it's like one piece of a puzzle. It's like one prong, right? So you can live a pleasurable life that will make you happier in a certain sense. But there's also an engaged life. Um, and this is where um, the researcher I mentioned, Csikszentmihalyi, comes in. Um, this is kind of where a lot of his research has focused. And um, I've taken a bunch of classes with him as well. So I've focused on this a lot as myself is getting very engaged. So some people are just like very involved in their life and the things they do in their life. It absorbs a lot mm-hmm. of their attention and their energy. And it's very optimal, right? Like it's just it feels good and everything that they're doing is just like the right thing to do you can think of like you know an athlete for example um or a painter like a big wave surfer right um or people that like hike like the pct and like the people like through hikers and things like that they're definitely not living the pleasurable life but they're just like very engaged in what they're doing you know what i mean um that's a great way to really enjoy your life and find happiness um and the third prong is the meaningful life right where some people they have no very little pleasure going on and the work that they do is pretty tedious and it's not very enjoyable but it's really meaningful right they're like really impacting people's lives and they feel like they're doing something that's larger than themselves and it's very connecting them to like a grander scheme of something that's really important they have like a very intense life purpose and everything they do is just like dripping and meaning and it's just like this is so important i need to do mm-hmm. this this is my calling right those latter two are just very different <laughs> than the pleasurable life yeah but in a certain sense positive psychology is kind of shown in various different ways that like blending those three like if you have just a very pleasurable engaging meaningful life like those are the people that are a lot happier than the ones who are just kind of like making up superficial joy from like hanging out on yachts you know yeah mm-hmm. i this may be a more of a philosophical question. I'm ready. And something that you won't be able to answer and speak for everyone. Maybe, maybe not. But I mean, how do you define happiness 
and where is the def if there is a standard definition right now, where does it come from, and do you think it will change in the future? Um, there's like a lot of different ways to answer that question, but it makes sense, right? Like if you were only going to ask me yeah. one question, that would definitely like be what it is. <laughs> I absolutely have my own definition. There are a lot of different definitions. You could even say what I just shared is one definition. Like you could say like I'm happy in a pleasurable sense. I'm happy mm-hmm. in an engaged sense. And I'm happy in a meaningful sense. Kind of like shove those together. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. There's uh, one of the classic ones if I'm going to explain happiness from um, a positive psychology perspective is a model again by Martin Seligman called PERMA, which is an acronym for positive emotions. Right. So just your classic like feeling joy or contentment or awe or gratitude. Yeah. Engagement, which is flow. So when you're just like really just absorbed in what you're doing and time is like super fast or super slow and you kind of lose your sense of self. For me, it happens every time I make music or have really great conversations Mm -hmm. or paint or what have you. You all have relationships. So having like really rewarding, connecting, deep relationships, meaning. So like the things around you, you, the world is coherent, there's significance around you, you have a sense of purpose, um, and then achievement, like you feel like you're actually making strides in whatever you're working on, like you have the ability to make a change around you and feel like mm-hmm. that change is because of you. Those are all different like measures of happiness. And so that's one way that you can measure it. A huge way is just what's known as subjective well-being. That's like a lot of ways researchers yeah. actually see if they're making a difference. It's like, you don't, I don't have to define it, like, you know. Like, tell, you tell me, like, how you uh-huh. feel today? You like it or not? Yeah. Like, or like your whole life, like, do you like what's going on? Or do you not? <laughs> like, it's going to yeah. be that, yeah. that simple, right? I know for my definition, my personal understanding of what happiness is, is very much a byproduct of a lot of the things that we've kind of already talked about. I would never really advise anyone to seek happiness. In fact, there's a lot of research that shows like if your goal is to be happy, like you're just not going to be as happy as as other people um, for a bunch of reasons, including what we began with, like right away. Remember I mentioned like expectations and you were talking about expectations of season one. Right. Like if your your goals are to be happy. So you're like, I expect to be happy because I'm trying really hard to be happy. And then you're not happy. You're just like kind of letting yourself down. And that's all just because mm-hmm. you're trying to be happy. Right. And it's very ephemeral. Yeah. Have you all heard of the hedonic treadmill? No. Crazy. All right. So people have what's known as a set point or like now people are trying to call it a set range of happiness, whether you're measuring it as subjective well-being or kind of like any of those PERMA measures that we're talking about. Um, they've done studies like a really, really famous one is they were like they would measure people's happiness in a bunch of different levels using a bunch of different measures, I mean. And then they would look at people who, like, for example, like, win the lottery. And you'd expect people to just, like, be more happy, right? We were talking about that pleasurable life, right? If I just gave you $5 million, like, most people think, like, yeah, I'll be happy. Um, But it turns out, like, you do have a boost. Like, the day you win the lottery, everyone goes up in how happy they feel. But then after a while, they coast back down and they end up, like, exactly where they were um, before. It kind of varies, but it's rarely more than, like, a few months, right? Same thing for people who go through like pretty serious bodily injuries, like people who become paraplegic or who get like a terminal illness, maybe not not terminal illness, but like a chronic illness. I mean, you'd expect like their life happiness to just like go down and like stay down. But it's like the exact reverse of the lottery winner. Like it does go down. Right. But then you just kind of go back to your set point. It's referred to as a set range now, because like I said, there are lots of like specific things you can do to lift yourself up. 
right? And there's tons of things you can do to bring yourself down. Um, but for the yeah. most part, people hang out around a specific point. That's why I'm sure y'all have recognized like some people are just like happier than other people. Yeah. You notice that? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. A lot of it is genetic. It's like a third of the uh-huh. variance is actually described by your genes. Uh-huh. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, really? Yeah. That's interesting. About a third. There's a bunch of different studies on this and kind of it'll it'll change here and there. Some places it's 40 to 60 percent. Some places like 20. But for like the most part, about a third um, of your, your personality and like your just general amount of happiness uh, comes from your genes. And about a third comes Uh from your kind of social environment, like your context, right? Like your culture and the norms around you and like, you know, what's kind of pressuring you to behave in certain ways. There are some cultural norms that are really good for happiness and connection, some cultural norms that are very toxic, right? And so those will really influence your Uh point. And then the third one is where I do most of my work, which is intentional action. Mm -hmm. So that's about a third of the variance. So like, what are your goals? And like, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your free time? Like, how do you treat yourself and how you treat the people around you? Like, that'll really impact how happy you are. And when you, like, kind of look at all three of those areas, you can pretty much explain most of people's happiness. It's not a lot outside those. So I I have uh, another question. So I think in general, when it comes to mental health and people seeking therapy or life coaches or um, anything like along those lines, you know, there's a saying that people who can get mental health care services, they it's a privileged thing to be able to access because it's so expensive in the United States and it yeah. takes time. Like it's money, time, um, all those things that if you don't have the means to access, then you just can't do it. And I guess in my perspective, like uh, a lot of the research I do, I look at systems, right? I yeah. Like, I don't look at, like, just individuals and their ability to, like, do things, but a lot of it is, like, systemic. Like, sure, I can have the ability to go to a clinic, but how far is it? How expensive is it? Is it going to be something that I can actually access? Like, does the system make it easy for me to access, right? Yeah. So I'm looking beyond, like, my own individual ability. So I do wonder, like, for uh, coaches or therapists who do positive psych, like yourself, um, who see clients... What's the general demographic? Because I imagine, in my mind, I'm guessing, and this is my assumption, and I could be totally wrong. My assumption is that it maybe it's it tends to be people who maybe have a little bit more time and money to seek out the time to have like, oh, I want to self improve. You know, yeah. I want to find what it means to be happy for myself. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think it's a really, really important point, and it's something I'm still trying to grapple with and trying to understand. I think like a lot of the world <laughs> is trying to grapple with and understand not even just mental health, but just like healthcare services in yeah. general are just like so hard to access for a lot of different people. And positive psychology is doing a lot of work on the practitioner side of things to kind of integrate itself into the kind of scheme of more generalized health. So for example, like I'm certified through the College of Executive Coaching, and they have like a process where you can go through the board of medical examiners. Um, They've just begun certifying like well-being coaches. You can get similar certifications as like a medical doctor would or a counselor, um, but specifically trained in well-being. 
And that's in order to start to make moves towards things like insurance and using copays and things like that uh, for yeah. well-being services. But obviously, like, that's not a huge priority for a lot of people because so many people have, like, debilitating physical disorders and, like, really crippling right. mental health and they can't get services yeah. either, right? So it's just, like, a whole process of just making resources available for people. I know my demographics, mm. I, I don't have like tons of data because I my like official professional start yeah. date as a coach started like as soon as I finished grad school. So I'm still kind of working on building my clientele. Mm -hmm. That's a huge thing I'm struggling with right now. It's like, who do I want to serve and who can I serve? Because you're absolutely right. Yeah. Like a lot of coaching practices are geared towards people who make a lot of money, right? So like I yeah. like I said, my certification was through the College of Executive Coaching. So like I'm te my technical certificate certification is a positive psychology and well being coach. Um, but a lot of people just uh -huh. focus on executives and executive coaching. Um, I have worked oh. with uh, like I've worked with a CEO and I've worked with other people in leadership. Um, but I've also worked with um, you know people who like work for the city. One of my clients was like literally like a bus boy, right? So it's like mm -hmm. I'm trying to like continue to get it varied and I haven't even figured out like my specific like articulate like some coaches are like I only work with mothers of three in Wyoming who are very interested in pottery <laughs> like they're like that specific where they know exactly yeah, yeah. what the demographic is and so I'm still kind of working on figuring that out but yeah I think you're right and it's not really covered under insurance in most cases so at this point like mm -hmm. working with any positive psychologist is probably going to involve a lot of out of the pocket however I think something that's really important to keep in mind with these kind of things, especially from the systemic side of things that you were talking about, is like we were talking about how positive psychology and business as usual psychology is separate right now because they're serving separate needs. And so a lot of people who are like really at a point where they're not able to acquire any services, whether it's because of social factors or familial factors or larger like government society factors, like they're usually not concerned with the same thing someone would be if they're seeking out a positive psychology coach specifically right so like a positive psychology coach might be really focused on self-actualization but just like kind of maslow's hierarchy of needs you're not really going to be worried about self-actualization if you're in a community that's like really having tons of social issues and there's lots of violence and you don't mm -hmm. really feel safe and you don't really have access to the needs that you need for you know, physiological health, like if you're having a hard time finding food and you, your kids don't feel safe and you're not very educated, like you don't really care yeah. about how yeah. to find your life purpose. You just kind of care about making your life more generally stable. And so in that sense, like a positive psychologist or a positive psychology coach might not be the best service in that sense. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think that even though you say that it might not have the right place in those settings, I think that even having someone that does positive psychology being like a consultant or like part of a discussion in even in those types of settings would be very beneficial because like I've done work where I've created programs that are more geared towards like creating creative outlets or creating uh, livelihoods that are more based on like crafts and things like that. Yeah. But it's hard to justify how that is a beneficial thing right yeah um and from like parts of like what you're saying like i feel like would be very useful in like helping to explain how that actually works well, a, lot of a lot of times people like focus on like oh they've like 
migrated from this place or they've had like these types of traumas and stuff and it's like oh you're just creating them like a superficial livelihood it's like no i'm creating creating (laughs) more than just a superficial livelihood you're creating like skills you're creating like other things right so like that's 100 agree in fact that's the direction that i'm really trying to go what i was saying before is kind of about like clients right people who are right now like paying kind of out of pocket for like a consultant or a coach like for themselves but like you were saying there's tons of contexts that could really really use positive psychology for so for example i mentioned i'm an outdoor adventure guide so i've done a lot of work taking kids from the like inner city la area and mm-hmm. taking them outside like for the first time and it's mind-blowing to me like some kids li- live in like watts for example it's probably about 30 miles away from the beach these kids are like 16 years old never seen the ocean before oh. right uh, or like i've taken a lot of kids up to like mount baldy area just having them see the snow for the first time right be in a forest for the first time or like learn to meditate next to a creek for the first time uh, and a yeah. lot of these things are like l- building the foundations for positive psychology because what a lot of therapists are working on is like people don't have any foundations for well-being and then they get to a point where they're like crumbling yeah. and then they need to fix all these problems so kind of in, in my view like we can wait until they build themselves up they crumble they go through therapists so that they're back to a place where they're ready to go to the higher levels of well-being and then positive psychology comes in in my view it should come in from like right away so that those foundations are already there because like i said that is what got me into the field in the first place is i just happened to have a very positive psychology heavy foundation for my mind and it helped me buffer through tons of different risk factors that i've like personally seen mess up a lot of people's lives and well-being And I've seen like how I could have fallen into a lot of these cracks, but I just happen to have a lot of resilience, a lot of positive emotion, a lot of positive relationships, a lot of meaning, a ton of engagement. Like I just had all of these things growing up for whatever reason. And so one like vision I have for a long time in the future is um, I've spent a lot of time. um, We haven't really talked about my outdoor adventure side of things, but I got started in high school. I also grew up in the inner city, so I never really went outside. I was caught by a lot of those societal stigmas against going outside for people of color. So, like, I specifically remember someone saying hiking, and you'd be like, that's, like, a white person thing. I, like, didn't understand what hiking was. Like, I didn't know <laughs> what it consisted of. I just know that's what white people did, and I wasn't interested. And then in high school, I, like, happened, by happenstance, got chosen to be a counselor at an outdoor school in Santa Cruz. And I, my first time being in natural outdoor setting besides like the beach uh-huh. was in the redwoods dude i don't know if y'all have ever been to a redwood yeah. forest yeah it is literally awe-inspiring just like deeply changed my entire life right and so um i've been doing outdoor adventures and outdoor education like ever since like to this day but what i've found like working as a naturalist and as an outdoor educator is that these outdoor experiences have a lot of really positive impact on people. Um, mentioned eco-psychology is like one of my main academic interests right now. Or, uh, the people who kind of like teach these classes or guide people on these uh, adventures are usually trained in environmental science. So they're usually like really mm-hmm. interested in biology and like ecosystems and species, which is amazing. And helping people get interested yeah. in that is amazing. I just happen to be in this weird niche where I love being outside and I love taking people outside. 
but I'm not super jazzed on environmental science the way I am about positive development, just for whatever reason, I don't even know why. So like, I love taking people outside and helping them understand like how being outside helps them develop as people and helping them develop a relationship with outside that will leak into their development with just like the entire world and the people around yeah. them. And so I really have this vision of like starting a like an outdoor school, like a residential outdoor school where kids will go, whether it's in um, elementary school or I really want to do high school as high schoolers as well. You go for a week and you spend or maybe even two weeks and you spend a lot of time doing outdoor adventures, but all the coursework or like instruction or activities are kind of based on ways that you can just based on positive psychology, right? So ways that you can really mm-hmm. boost well-being for yourself and your community and the people around you. I would also love to teach a whole class in high school on just positive relationships. Can we talk about that for a sec? Just think yeah. about this. Think about this. Like, <laughs> Think about the classes y'all took in high school. I don't know where you went, but I imagine it pretty similar to what classes most people take, right? And there's a lot to be said about um, like our education system right now. I'm sure y'all have like a lot of ideas. Um, but in, related to positive psychology, there's like a movement that y'all might be interested in. You can look up called positive education, which is basically just like K through 12 classes. But instead of focusing on like <laughs> like uh, U.S. history. Yeah, math, right? Instead of, uh, like, a lot of those are important, obviously. I'm not saying, like, all the topics are poor. But could you imagine you're, like, 15 and you're in high school and you take an entire year-long course on positive relationships, how to do conflict resolution, why relationships are helpful, how relationships are formed, what they look like when they become toxic, how to fix them when they become toxic, like, how your intimate relationships form. That'd be a perfect place to teach all of our sex ed, right? Those are just relationships, right? Understanding, uh-huh. like, there's just so much <laughs> that you could learn about relationships yeah. that everyone just has to figure out on their own. And there's so much science, like, all of <laughs> sociology's, like, relationships, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that is all just to say that I think, like, instead of just, like, hiring positive psychology coaches for everybody, right, or, like, making insurance kind of in the mental health field, I think what might be better is kind of integrating positive psychology into these already established institutions so that we're, like, fostering these foundations of well-being really early on and they all just kind of mm. become norms. Yeah, I think your pitch for introducing a class for high school students, I think that would be really useful just because, you know, hormones are raging during that time yeah. and everyone's angry and, you know, they're worried about making friends and that would be like a really great time. I think, you know, in the future, as positive sight continues to change and um, there's different ways that it gets integrated in just like schools or medicine, I think in my mind, I would love to see just diversity and representation and that's not just for positive psych but i mean it's for like mental health in general and even in our our respective fields that we do you know um and the reason and the reason i bring that up is because you you had mentioned earlier about how someone had said like oh being outdoors is like a white people thing and (laughs) (laughs) um and in a lot of ways i think that is true for a a lot of people um people of color um, there's not a lot of options or like our families just never really went out. But I know my exposure to the outdoors was through school. Yeah. And it was through those people who took us on outdoor ed. We went on hikes. I did ropes courses. Uh, we actually did some conflict management stuff. Um, and that was really fun. Like that stuff's really stuck with me all those years. And that was like back in fifth, sixth grade, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was like, I think there's definitely value to it if it is given access to people. 
And yeah. if there's a way to introduce it earlier and have kids really interact with their environment and then learn about themselves and then also learn ways that they can empower themselves through these things. I think that's really valuable. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you had those experiences. Like that just made me so warm and tingly. <laughs> Cause like, like I said, that's the work <laughs> I've been doing since I was like 15 and it's, it, we hear stories occasionally, but you know, you're with the kids like while you're with them and then they kind of vanish forever. And so it's hard to know what the impact is kind of long term. Yeah. But I've heard, you know, really similar stories from other people where it's just like, yeah, that's really changed my entire relationship with the world forever because of those five days at camp. It's been really cool. But one of the things that I'm like hoping to address, part of the reason I got into coaching is because I've been doing team building for a very long time. And team building is really mm-hmm. brief. Like it's like one day. Sometimes it's as short as like two to three hours. If you're lucky, you've got like two days or like a, a long weekend. And then yeah. you just never see them again. And I'm really, if you look at models of like counseling or therapy or something like that, you're not going to make any impactful long-term changes in mental health in like 10 hours, right? Um, So that's part Mm -hmm. of why I got into coaching. And that's kind of how I feel about the positive education stuff we were talking about. I don't know. I think it's really interesting the things that we like teach people and emphasize in education. Like you would think like meaning and, and purpose and creativity and joy would be like pretty high on the list. But it's like not even yeah. there. It's really interesting. It's like, well, that's what you figure out. But like, I don't know. There's just seems yeah. like to me, like there's enough science where it's like we don't have to tell people just figure it out. Like, I'm not going to tell you, like, just figure algebra out. Like, it's out there. Like, no, I want you to, like, break it down for me, dude. Like, give me a book to read and break down how these formulas work. And we do that for algebra and and geometry and, like, reading and literature. But we don't really do that for emotions or relationships. Those seem at at the very least just as important. Like, that's my opinion for sure. But at the very least, relationships seem as important as, like, being able to read at a 12th grade level. But, I mean, that's just what I think. No, I think that it's like, it's super important. And I think it's interesting that you say that like, they're just like, figure it out, or there's not a whole lot about in terms of like positivity, because I'm doing a lot of research right now currently with social learning theory, and everything that I'm doing and all of the research that I'm doing with social learning theory is like, around negative, right? So like, the um, particular behavior that I'm working with right now is violence and the cycle of violence. Yeah, I feel like it's so frequently around like negative behaviors, um, bad traits, uh, like things that are detrimental to society. And I mean, like, granted, I'm also looking for that kind of stuff, right? Because that's what I'm working with. The social learning theory shows that like our exposure to all of these things are what makes us bad. Instead of being like, oh, if we have like a bunch of positive exposures, we could have like more positive interactions, we could have more meaningful, purposeful, like we could be, be better to each other because we will have been being exposed to like positive interactions right yeah a lot of people um at claremont are really focused on social learning theory but from a positive psychology lens i could put you in contact with some of them if you're actually trying to go in that side just let me know but what you said is like it's happened to me quite a few times like i was honestly kind of intimidated i've worked with a couple people um as a positive psychology coach who were in the field of psychology and like mental health already and i'm like okay well we're just talking about psychology i feel like you're gonna know a lot of these things and i'll just discuss like what i know about how these processes work whether they're like cognitive or genetic or physiological and i get that same reaction where people are like whoa i didn't know there's like a positive way to do that yeah it seems like it should just be like i don't know why i'm shocked right well it's because it's not as it's not popular culture yet like it's beginning like everything but like the dsm right like most people know like if you're talking to a psychologist and you get diagnosed it's going to be bad 
right? And so a lot of people are surprised when I find out when they find out like I can diagnose you, right? But I don't know a lot about diagnosing like specific disorders and pathologies like schizophrenia. Like I have like a cursory knowledge like from undergrad or what have you, but I'm really good at recognizing people's strengths in a diagnostic yeah. kind of way mm-hmm. where there's like specific diagnostic criteria and there's specific behaviors and thought patterns that let me know that like this is something that you're really good at and that energizes you and that you do for its own sake and that will like really improve your life if you do those more often right a lot of people are kind of surprised yeah. mm-hmm. that that's even an option <laughs> to be diagnosed yeah. and what you're good at yeah. yeah yeah check it out you can there's like a, even a free assessment if you just google character strengths there's like ones you can pay for for sure but yeah it's like a empirically validated scale based on mm-hmm. a lot of different research from like a lot of different cultures and philosophies and uh, time periods and like modern psychology. And it kind of put together like this measurement of your character strengths. Um, Clifton has one, um, but the VIA character strengths is one that I tend to prefer for a bunch of reasons. VIA. Yeah. Check it out. See what your strengths are. I know both of you definitely have the strength of love of learning though. Like without a doubt, y'all are about it. It's very evident. I doubt anyone forced you to do this podcast where you have to learn things from other people. There's no way. But yeah, do y'all have any other questions? Yeah. I really enjoy, um, I don't know, like I found when people ask me questions about like how well-being works, a lot of the times the answer will be really like obvious to me and then people have no clue that that's how like it worked and that always gets me really excited. So if y'all have any other questions about like mm-hmm. the function and nature of meaning and happiness... Like, I don't know, it takes a lot of time to contemplate and, like, come up with these questions if you're not kind of already on a deep introspective journey of understanding (laughs) the nature of reality or whatever, but... I feel like I'm always on that journey. Yeah! Uh, (laughs) Just constant existential crisis a little bit. What is all of this? (laughs) Honestly, that's, like, one of the first questions that leads you down a lot of aspects of positive development is when you get to a point where you're like, hold up, hold up, hold up. I know what everyone thinks this is. I know what everyone thinks is going on. And I know what I'm supposed to think is what's going on. But what is all of this? That's kind of some of those questions I was mentioning where it's like if you're hungry and there's a war going on in your city and you're just trying to get your kids educated, no one in that situation is asking like, yeah, but also what is this? Like that's not on your mind. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it definitely comes from a place of privilege to get to like kind of really higher order levels of like experiencing reality and like shifting consciousness. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, if someone is interested in seeking out finding a practitioner who is good and has training in positive psych, how should they go about finding someone? Uh, send me an email, cordoglass at upwardax.com. Let's say hi. My first session is always free. But not. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, I know positivepsychologynews.com has an uh-huh. entire catalog of positive psychology practitioners and coaches, what their focus is, uh-huh. how much they cost, um, right there on the oh, website. Cool. I think okay. there's like a link at the very top. Um, I happen to be on that list, so you can check me out <laughs> on there if you can't figure out how to find me on the regular interwebs. I know Psychology Today, I know they have like a list uh-huh. of therapists, and you can like make it yeah. in your area i'm pretty sure they have a section on coaches now that you can check out oh, okay yeah those are the two kind of directories i know off the top of my head but okay. yeah a lot of coaches have like their own website so you can kind of just 
shop around until you find something good. But yeah, yeah. I would say like if you want, you want like a list right now, positivepsychologynews.com, check that out. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, is there anything that you're dying to say before we wrap up? It's interesting that you asked that because <laughs> I've actually been like trying to think of um, if I had to give someone like one piece of wisdom, like what would it be? I've been thinking about that for a while. And it's really hard because uh-huh. I'm like lost in that space where it's like, well, it depends. Like, I'm just really passionate about being developmentally appropriate. And I feel like wisdom <laughs> is very, like having a one nugget of wisdom is almost impossible to make developmentally appropriate. You know what I mean? <laughs> but with that said, I'm going to give it a shot. Let's see what I got here. Warm up. Warm, Warm up. Get it in there. Warm <laughs> it up. Is there any way you can give me some type of prompt or am I going in? I'm going in bare. Shooting it, shooting it raw. It's just raw. Whatever. I mean, just imagine this is the last chance for you to say something and you have to put it out there. Yeah. I guess it would just be pay attention. That's about it. Awareness itself is curative. And like you can learn more from paying attention than you can from talking to anyone or reading any book or taking any class. Like, just mm-hmm. just be here for what's right here and then you'll know what's going on here because it's it's only right here and that's the episode thank you so much cordell for talking with us as a reminder you can reach him at upwardx.com and at cordell lee with three e's at the end on instagram and the resources for this episode will be on our website so you can also just go over there and click on all of those links As a reminder, if you have any questions, you can always reach us at globalcaveat at gmail.com or on Instagram at globalcaveat. And again, we just want to thank all of our listeners and supporters for helping this podcast run. And this last part feels a little silly because he was just our guest, but an extra special thanks to Cordell Glass for producing our music. Thanks for listening.